0: you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions
1: podcast.
0: Thanks so much.
1: This topic is pretty interesting, right? It's like, how, how do we cast away the beliefs that are holding you back? And I think we've talked a lot about this in different ways. I don't know you know, over the last, over the last few weeks as Glenn has been coming up with, coming up with these room titles. And when I saw the room title, it really brought me back to the talk that I did about creating a vacuum a couple weeks ago about getting rid of things that, um you know, that don't serve you anymore. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, maybe in a different way. So my name is Sean Shapiro. I am a chiropractor from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And as I've said before, I truly believe that as a person, I'm at my worst when I chase things. I feel like the more I attach to the outcome I get, the the worse I show up as Dr. Sean for my kids, my friends, my patients, for you. I wish I could tell you I have it figured out, but sadly, I don't. I know that in most things, I have a healthy detachment, money, the way people think about me, and definitely I'm definitely detached from my dog, as a lot of you know. But there are still moments, there are still times, when I crave the attention of certain people, or certain outcomes to my actions. I don't do well when something I really want refuses to, excuse me, to play along and manifest itself in front of me. In spite of my best efforts, I still struggle with this. I, and I want that part of me, I really want that part of me to die. I realize, though, as humans, that's not gonna happen. And nor should it. You have to have healthy attachments to the things you want. Right? You have to you have to be attached to things you want because detachment because itself rarely creates the, the situation where people save lives, rarely creates joy in your life, and never leads to the flow of life that we were seek that we are all seeking. This past weekend, I was lucky enough to spend some time with my good friend and fellow moderator, Laura Wilde, in Boston. And when, you know, when Clubhouse was fresh and we all had nowhere else to go, Laura and I used to do rooms about the zone and getting into flow state. And it was always an amazing conversation. And it was a conversation that, you know, where people were describing times where they were in flow and, this, and they're also talked about their struggle and getting back into that flow. Right. And in about April of last year, as we're having those conversations, I found this incredible stream of flow. I made friends, I became a better speaker, I became a better business person, I became a better father, and what I thought was a better version of myself. I did my affirmations, my gratitude, my prayers, my goals effortlessly every day. I woke up, did all the things. When I, but when I reached a certain point, I started to wonder if I hadn't just made it, right? If I hadn't done enough yet. If what I had found was the end of that journey of leveling up, and eh, maybe it was enough for me, right? I became attached to where I was and who I was with. And at that point, I stopped growing to a certain extent. I had become fully and unhealthily attached. Prior, I had learned, especially in my business, where I give non-traditional health advice to people, okay, looking for answers, usually I'm their last hope, right? Um, for certain things that, they, that they, can't get, they can't overcome with traditional medicine and things like that, that I don't get attached to the outcome of the, of the advice I give or my goals for the patient because I can't control what they do. Prior to this self-discovery journey, or, journey, I was happy with less in life and therefore required less. But now, at that point, I wanted more and I needed more. And as, moved, as I moved into that undiscovered country, so to speak, I turned into that attachment monster. This turned to be turned out to be a reversal of growth. I became so attached to outcomes and people that I started to shrink and less of what I and and created less of what I wanted and claimed, and started to complain more about the way things are. I stopped doing all the morning routine things that we pride ourselves here. You know, in in this room, and started struggling with regular sleep schedules and getting up, and doing the things that the previous months had created so much growth. I had become the opposite of everything I had hoped for, at the beginning of my journey, and everything I had strived to become. And what's worse, I was in denial about it. We become attached to things and people because of the way they make us feel. Most of the time we become attached or addicted to things that make us feel good. But sometimes it's things that make us feel bad too. I don't really get that part. This is why food and chemical addictions are so hard to overcome because the reproducibility of the feelings that you're looking for require a minimum ac- a minimum action and skill t- that, are, that are needed to re- acquire the agent of the addiction, right? You can get a Ho-Ho or a Twinkie in a gas station in America pretty much. We become attached to things and then we start to miss the point of getting those things because we become chasers. We look for that fix, looking for the reinforcement, looking for that pretty smile, flash drive, we're looking for the rush of how it felt the first time. These are not what we call healthy attachments, though. An unhealthy attachment, by my definition, is anything we are a slave to. Anything that rules us and distracts us away from our purpose. You might say that sounds almost that could be almost anything, right? Like binging TV series, to dating the wrong person, to using drugs and alcohol to get through the day, and you could be 100% correct, right? Because those attachments are what we're talking about. Those things that don't serve us. We can use almost anything to get attached to. For me, it had to stop. I became attached to one person, to one dream. I had that I was that I was just highly unrealistic and definitely not healthy. So. It's time, or it was time, to detach myself from the situation. And maybe I didn't want to at first. Maybe I wanted to stay attached to the dreams and plans we had made for a future, but ultimately I was shown just how wrong it was to divert from my purpose and to focus on the things that were not sustainable because of the overwhelming time and effort they consumed. Um, about a week and a half ago, I picked up this book by Katherine Ponder. It's a very small book and I recommend her work very highly. And it's called Dare to Prosper. On the second page of the book, she wrote an affirmation that said the following, I now let go of old ways of living, old and unsatisfactory ways of working and dissatisfying relationships from the past. I'm now open and receptive to my new and highest good. And that gave me some strength there. This idea of detachment of letting go is a lot like you know, a lot like that talk I did about creating a vacuum a couple weeks ago. This conversation about deciding to, to let go of the things you really want, that you really need, you really feel like you need, and realize that they don't serve you, is a tough one. It has taken me a long time to get to the point where the amount of pain created by the thing I wanted the most has finally driven me to say enough. I've given you enough power and no matter how shiny, no matter how perfect the future looks with you in it, this thing that I want, the cost of my peace is not worth the squeeze. You can you can be talking about anything, right? You can be talking about a person, you can be talking about an object, you can be talking about material things, you can be talking about money, okay? You can just be talking about habits that you have that you can't let go of, like you have to walk a certain way to work or whatever. it is. You can be talking about an addiction, and you can be talking about all of the above. You know, there was a book written, I don't know, 3,000 years ago called The Tao Te Ching. And um, in that book, we find something called Wu Wei. And one of the best people I've ever heard explain the Tao Te Ching and Wu Wei is a philosopher named Alan Watts. And he did, uh, he, he's got a number of talks on YouTube you can listen to. Okay. And, um, this is just one, part of one, that I think was, is worth listening to um, about what motivates people. And- there is
2: a principle called Wu Wei. And this means... Wu means non or not, no negation. Wei has a combination of meanings. It can mean action, making, but the best translation I have found for it is forcing. And so Wu Wei is the principle of not forcing in anything that you do. Now, we know when we watch any performance of an artist, be it a dancer or a an actor, or a musician. We know immediately when the performance is forced. And we say it doesn't ring true, it's too artificial, it doesn't seem to be natural. Many people who study the Taoist doctrines think that Wu Wei means do nothing, in the sense of laissez-faire, be lazy, always be passive. It doesn't mean that. There is a time for action when you study judo. You use muscle only at the right moment, when your opponent is hopelessly overextended and off balance, and you add a little muscle to it and you throw him across the room. But only then. You never use muscle at the wrong moment. For as Shakespeare knew perfectly well, there is a tide in the affairs of men which, taken at its flood, leads on to fortune. And so, Wu Wei is based on knowledge of the tide. The drift of things. Get with it. Wu Wei is the art of sailing rather than the art of rowing. So, if you say now, one of the most famous sayings of in the Lao is superior virtue has no intention to be virtuous, and thus is virtue. Inferior virtue cannot let go of virtuosity, and thus is not virtue. So one could also say, the real wu-wei is not intentionally wu-wei. And so is Wu Wei. But inferior Wu Wei so tries
1: to be Wu Wei that it isn't. So what I get from this is that Wu Wei is the flow state. It's the act of being in flow. It's the act in being that sail as opposed to the paddle that rows. the sail that catches the wind and directs the wind to where it wants to go or uses the wind to direct it to where it wants to go. So Wu Wei is about being in flow. And I started talking about Laura and flow state. And I think that it's really important that we remember that ultimately we want to be in the flow state as much as possible so that we can let go of the things that we are attached to and live harmoniously with our surroundings, okay? Maybe a little woo-woo, okay, woo-way, but this is a, this is a doc, this is a book that's been around for a lot longer than just about everybody here combined, and it, the Taoist doctrine um, by Lao Tzu is something that people live their life by and have for thousands of years. So maybe there's something there for you as well. So I look, I I encourage you to look more into the become be going into flow. We don't have the time for that now, and maybe pinging Laura Wilde on Facebook. She hasn't had much time to be here these days. So I have picked at some of, maybe some of your not so freshly healed wounds, maybe some of the open wounds right now that you have as we talk, okay? I have hope, but I've hopefully started the process of you confronting your own ish to let go of relationships with things and people that do not serve you and undermine your happiness. I've hopefully pointed you in a direction of your purpose and started the process of you waking up to what you are actually here for, in this room, on this earth, wherever. A lot of you will say this doesn't apply to you. Okay, I have, you'll say, I have no addictions. And if that's true, I'm truly grateful for your blessings and I beg me to teach you your secrets because I find things I need to release and let go of under every rock I turn over in my mind. There are little salamanders there, and things with a million legs and squirming and all that. So, with the time we have left, I'd love to hear how you view attachment and detachment, and how you. I'd love to hear how your advice for all of us on this topic. We've got enough people on this stage that that, that have something to say about this, right? How do we healthily detach from the things we thought we loved so much, and we couldn't live without them? I've already heard Mike's going. Just go ahead and say your name, and go ahead, Jan. I see
3: you. Hey, thank you so much, Dr. Sean. Uh, really amazing segment as usual. I'm in a car, I'll be really, really uh, quick. Um, you know the way that um, you know I think about uh, what you said about flow and about um, attachment, uh, about life's purpose. Um, you know, I, I kind of also have this picture that I often use um, that uh, life is a journey that um, is like flowing, uh, sailing on the river. So it is quite similar to uh, you know the. The, the Lao Tzu um, teaching that um, you have just uh, shared shared with us. And you know, this basically, um, really the emphasis is that, um, you know, the, the direction of the water, you don't fight it. Um, you can try, but um, it's not gonna be productive. Uh, it's only gonna get you frustrated. But uh, as you flow, with uh, the direction of the water you let go and let it carry you um, and that's really the only way to live and the other thing you know and, and that that picture doesn't really contract doesn't necessarily contradict with uh you know the fact that we can have healthy attachments um to people and to projects and to things to purposes because you know basically that picture is about um you know you as a vessel and so you are meant to carry people and things are uh, with you and as long as they are are going the same direction of you. Um, that is your purpose. You know, so so those people are part of your purpose uh, in your life. You are meant to carry them, and they are meant to be your companion. And but what we need to do periodically is do exactly what you have, you know, reminded us to do is to dock uh, from time to time somewhere and allow people and allow things to leave uh, so that they can go on their own way onto their own journey, and we pick up new people onto our journey, and we must uh, have the courage. To basically undock and then go carry on with with that flowing on that river. So you know, I think um, all of this is uh, quite um, you know well. You know what you shared is a well balanced um, kind of um, a picture from kind of Western and uh, Eastern uh, way of thinking, and I just uh, you know find it really refreshing uh, this morning uh, to listen to uh, your share. So much appreciated, thank you.
1: Thank you, Jan. And, you know, what I got from your, what you said, the, the thing that stuck out the most and came to mind when you were talking was, you know, there are people who are passengers in our lives and there are people who are anchors in our lives, right? And I think it's really important to determine who's riding your boat and who's holding your boat back, right? So I think, uh, I think that's a really important important principle to remember when you're talking about letting go of things is that you can't throw your passengers overboard necessarily, but you can cut the anchor. Who's next? Who's got something to share?
4: This is Mary Lynn. Good morning. I'm so jealous. First I love Boston and second, I love Laura. So, (laughs) um, but I wanted to share So I talked with Stephen Kuhn last week and um, Shelly Wasso who was a guest and this all falls in line with that is I was, you know, at the beginning of the month, I was really, um, you know, at work, I was struggling and I was, do I buckle down and just, you know, I refuse to leave my desk until I get the answer on the phone I need, or do I back off and let it flow? And I was really struggling between the two and the attachment to the outcome. Well, they both gave me some great advice about grace and creating space for the energy. And when I did that, I actually had a higher super fast um my record higher actually. And what it brought to mind to me was a saying that I love so much is, you know, music happens. It's the space between the notes. And I think you can you need sometimes to focus on your goals, but the attachment part, you know, can become unhealthy. And um creating that space for the energy to happen is what I did. And that's what worked for me. So I love this Dr. Sean. It just keeps keeps uh reiterating what I, what I'm doing. So thanks.
1: Thank you. Yeah. We have to distract ourselves sometimes from the things that we want, especially when there are things we really want, right? Because the tight, the tighter we grip something, okay. The more Vaseline is wrapped around it and squirts out of our hands. I don't know if you've ever played the game when the pool where you try to move watermelon covered in Vaseline, um, but it is not a pretty picture. The harder you hold on to it, um, the more it's, it, it gets away from you. But if you use the pool, if you use the water, like Jan said, to, to move the to move the watermelon, you're a lot better off. So I like that analogy, uh, Mary Lynn, Thank you. So we have a little time left before I turn it over. Tamara, looking for some flashing mics. I saw Patricia go ahead and then... We'll-
5: yeah this is great and you know what the topic brings to mind is enough and we're always so consumed that not enough not enough that mindset well guess what enough is a feast and i just love it thank you so much dr sean god bless
1: thank you patricia yeah the more monster is is something that uh i don't see her either if you're right um the more monster is something that we have to struggle with all the time. Like we think that we need more, that we want more. Now there are some healthy attachments to getting more because we can, um, we can, uh, allow ourselves, uh, the the ability to grow whenever we want. Right. We can say, we can say to the world that I want more. And I think Scott's a good example of that because Scott creates more, but he creates more for everybody. He doesn't just, he does not just out for himself as he rides his boat down the river or sails or sails across his lake or pond or whatever he's doing right scott creates a lot of value for everybody around him so i think the Scottsmore monster is a healthy one but there are other things that we get addicted to that we or that we, that we that we rely upon that don't necessarily serve us or anybody else in that way and i think it's really good to have that perspective patricia thank you so we have a little bit of time left here. Actually, we have a lot of time left, from what I understand. Um, go ahead, see the soul.
6: Good morning, champions. Good morning. Um, love, love the topic. I will put it like this: whatever you are aligned with is whatever you're going to be attached to. Alignment is very important to the goal that you want to achieve and where you want to go. Whatever is attached to you is going to go ahead and be important because if you are still attached to, let's say the past or into bad habits, um, that essentially is going to go ahead and you know, that's, that's, what's going to align with you. And whatever you align with will show a result of, Hey, like, did you achieve your goal or are you going to achieve your goal? Sometimes it holds you back because you're still attached to that one thing that's in the past if you know where you're going you have to change your alignment which is going to go ahead and change your attachment like let's say for instance when you're going to the gym you're getting your results right you're aligned with the results so now you're attached to it now it's like all right cool you know i'm getting you know i'm losing five pounds i'm losing 10 pounds now you're you were addicted to maybe candy, sugar, cheeseburgers, or whatever the case is. Now you are addicted to the results. We have to change. We have to get into this mindset of whatever is not good for us. We do need to let it go. I understand that, you know, it may have served a purpose um, one time in our life, but again, whatever you are aligned with is essentially what you're gonna be attached to, to see the soul in our life.
1: Thank you, see the soul. Yeah, alignment with what you want is very important. Important it's also important to decide what you want first, right? So I like what you said about about being attached to that which you are aligned with. And also I like to point out that we really need to to, to I think one of the biggest problems I've had throughout my life, my younger life, was deciding what it was I want and defining that in terms of what I was not entitled to, but what eh, what I was entitled to. Sure. We're all entitled to a certain amount of happiness, a certain amount of, of bliss in this life if we just claim it. And uh, I think that f- becoming, in, getting in alignment, getting lined up with what it is we want is the most important thing we can do to make, to make a, our lives better. So I appreciate that share. We actually have some extra time left. I just found out that Tamra won't be uh, able to join us this morning. Good morning, you are you there?
7: Morning, Dr. Sean, I'm here. Can you hear me okay?
1: I can. You have you have time to share on the topic while I roll for on me. for the next half hour?
7: Um, I think, yeah, if my signal stays good for me. Happy Wednesday, everyone. If you don't know me, that Wednesdays are my favorite day of the week. A lot of people call it hump Wednesday, but I call it Wednesday because it really is the day that you can get stuff done. Um, I think the conversation is amazing, Dr. Sean. And I wanted to ask you a question, actually, because you said something and I thought, oh, I'd love to know a little bit more about what you mean by this. So with the work that you do and the people, they come to you because they, they, they need help. You give them help. And then you said sometimes you have to be able to let go. Hey,
4: listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day.
7: the outcomes so how how do you mentally and emotionally process the fact that you're working with somebody they're struggling with some kind of pain or discomfort or mental health and you are giving them advice on what to do and then they leave your practice and then they don't do it how do you deal with that the fact that you you know that if they just did what you recommended they would get better but you have to watch them not do it or maybe come back and be in the same place how do you emotionally and mentally deal with the disappointment that people aren't taking action on the advice that you're giving them? I'd love to know.
1: Well, I look at my marketing budget, I look at the marketing budget of Eli Lilly and realize that I'm not going to be able to compete with that. I don't have ads running every 15 minutes on every television station across the world telling them that they need this drug or that drug, right? And that they need to talk to their real doctor about those things because I'm not or don't want to pr- able to prescribe those medications. So you have to, you have to realize where you live. You know, if you live in a certain, if you live in New Hampshire, okay, then you are not going, if you're a chiropractor, you're not going to be able to treat people in California most likely. I mean, we've had people who stop for marathons on the way and stuff like that. But for the, for the most part, that's not, those aren't my patients. And if I sit and lament all the people in California that I can't treat, well, that's it. So just it's, 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 that's about proximity and proximity sometimes is just how much information the person is getting from a different source to remind them of a different way of thinking about their problem. But most of the people, luckily I see, um, have come to the end of that road where they realize that it's not, going to be it's, it's that 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 route may have worked for a little while but it wasn't a solution it was just sort of uh duct tape and bubble gum holding them together for a little while now they need a, a deeper and you know perhaps more structural solution I don't know if that answers your question or not but I just look at the marketing budgets and say I can't control that
7: yeah that does so, so you you accept it you're accepting it and um yeah I, I love that and I suppose what, well, how I could contribute to this conversation, beliefs that are holding you back. With, with the work that I started doing back in 2014, I, I very much had an ideal customer. My ideal customer was the black man who loved going to the gym, who was really dedicated to fitness and exercise. And um, I knew that man very well because one, I was living with that man, but also he has brothers and most of my friends, were black men who liked to go to the gym because i was a fitness fanatic because i was a dancer and when i found the, the beliefs that were holding many of those particular men back um it was through limiting beliefs and the way that they were raised and the way that they were brought up and i think that one of the first things i had to do to help support them is one i wrote a book but two i did a master class where i invited 20 people to my house i'm just going to put you you, there dr sean i invited 20 of these men to my house they were between the ages of 36 and 40 coming up to 40 and we had to do the self-awareness we had to look at our beliefs of how we become who we are what are our beliefs why do we think that way what have we experienced what have our parents told us what have our grandparents told us and i found that until you can get to the root of it actually understand the root cause of what it is that makes you think that way, I think it's very difficult then to um, pull up those beliefs and and readdress those beliefs. So a lot of the things that I find are holding many people back is those beliefs that this is the way that the world is and this is the way it's always going to be and this and that things like the rich get rich, the poor get poor, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, all of those kind of mentalities can allow, can make you hold back and stay where you are. And usually it's the fear, the fear of things changing. So um, one of the things that I, I often teach in the work that I do is first of all, figure out where, get an assessment of where you are right now. Have that self-awareness of recognizing where you are, accept where you are, take responsibility for where you are and then make a decision on where you wanna be. Who do you wanna be? You know, it's about re, reinventing yourself and also being willing being willing to deal with that uncomfortable transition because it is uncomfortable transitioning from where you are to where you want to be. It's not smooth because if it was smooth, everyone would do it, wouldn't they? So, um, yeah, I, I love the topic and um, it's definitely something that I, I love to think about. And I, I think as we grow and develop. We get new things that hold us back. We get new limiting beliefs. So it's constantly breaking through those barriers and being aware that the barriers actually exist. And then once we're aware that they exist, then I'm all about smashing through them. So thanks, Dr. Sean. Back to you.
5: Thank can I you, comment? Ify, can I comment real you, quick? You sure can. Go ahead. Thanks. Iffy, oh my God, you hit this right on the head. One of the things that happens also with that train of thought is that we believe it so much that then we see life through that filter, right? So it's it's not so much that we're also um, believing it, it's then that we take it further, we, t- we, we dive real deep, we put glasses on that look at life through that filter. So whatever it is that we're thinking puts on this rose or this pink or this yellow or this dreary, whatever it is that we're thinking about that's the perspective that then we judge life through and then then we go even further then we start projecting that that belief onto other people so someone could be saying hi to you and whatever it is that you're thinking you then give that hi that simple high meaning and if it's a positive thing you'll give it a positive meaning but if it's a negative thing then you give it a negative meaning like you know for me one of the things that i've seen in especially in clubhouse is people will come into a room and they'll say oh someone's blocking me and sometimes it's that the app is glitchy or they'll say somebody muted me and it was like you're in the audience no one's muted you it's the app like acting <laughs> glitchy like i've had so many messages of people somebody muted me i'm like but you're in the audience you don't even have a microphone so people want, they look to be offended. They, they look at life. And depending on where you're looking at life and you're projecting, you're also taking meaning from things. And sometimes you take things personal because you're looking to get offended. And it's like, but this wasn't anything to do with you. Like the app had two updates, had several updates, but they've had two updates in a week, several times. And when they've done that, the app has gone crazy. I literally just got my hallway today. I haven't had my hallway for the last almost four weeks. I couldn't see the hallway. I couldn't see this room. I couldn't even open the club, nothing. I had to wait until the club, until the rooms were open for me to actually get into the room and and get pinged into the room. I could have easily taken that in. Oh, someone's blocking me or someone doesn't want me in the room. Or no, I deleted the app. I put the app back. I updated my phone. I updated the app like four times and I still didn't have an hallway. I went in and I put a ticket in with Clubhouse and I said, hey, don't have anything going on in my app. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in the update space, but uh, it's impacted me with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So, yeah, but again, you know what, Dora mm-hmm.
7: Maria? Yeah. I was just going to say, that's because you have a benevolent worldview. Because some people, like you're saying, have a malevolent worldview where they see the bad in everything and it shows up. But if you've got a benevolent worldview, you look for the good, you always try to make sense of it. Look how hard you've worked to get your hallway back because you never once thought someone's against me, somebody's stopping me. Because your thought process and your worldview is that the world is a great place and everyone is kind and supportive. And that's why your actions reflect that, and that, that comes down to confidence, self-esteem, self-belief, and it shows up in like all the work that you do. Everyone's always talking about, you know, how you're such a giver and how you support people. You can't give that much unless you are full. And that's where um, what made me think of what you said a minute ago. Iyana Van Zant, who is somebody I love listening to, she talks about your eyes adjust to your level of deficiency. She talks about how we, like you said, we, we are, our eyes adjust to what we believe and that's why we have to recognise, we have to have that self-awareness. So I, I really want people to think, ask themselves, am I somebody that looks for the good or do I always look for the bad? Do I have a malevolent worldview or do I have a malevolent worldview? Who am I and who do I want to be and am I going to be that person? And I tell you when you can get, when you know when you're that person. It's when the world is hitting you in the face. It's when everything goes wrong, you're on your knees and you can't get into the clubhouse room and nothing's working for you. How you respond in your worst moment, it basically sets the tone of who you are. And that's when you get to ask yourself, is this who I wanna be? And then you can say, no, what do I need to do to become the person I truly want to be? So um, I, I love what you said, Dora Maria. And I too couldn't see the clubhouse room. I actually could never see it. it was never at the top for me and I, I had to look for it. And I just assumed that there was something wrong with the app too, so I'm with you. And um, back over to you, Dora Maria, sorry to interrupt.
5: Oh, no worries, I'm done. Uh, and Dr. Sean, it's back to you. Hey, Dr. Sean, <laughs> can I
8: ask if you cross question whenever you whenever you have a minute? Sure. Okay, thank you. Hey, Dr. Good morning, Go by ahead. the way, Dr. Sean. This is Ramon Ray. Hey, Dora Maria and Ify. I want to ask you a cross question, Ify, uh, a contentious question. So my question to you, Ify and Dora Maria and Dr. Sean, can you be too positive? And here's the question. Some people, especially my family have said, dad or honey or other people, you're too positive. And here's the kind, con- this is not a self brag. The context, Ify and Dora Maria and Dr. Sean is, they come saying something bad happened. I broke up or I fell down, broke my leg or, train was later you may have seen my story about the train being late with me if you uh, on sunday and i do have a positive aspect on life but they said i just come to you and said you know i i cut myself and you have said something positive i just come to you and said i spilled the milk and you're like oh that's okay we'll get another one why don't you ever like sit and mourn with me a bit so can you talk about that? Is there something? Yes. To be, whether too positive? Okay, right. go ahead, Please okay. tell me. Help me understand Impossible.
7: that. <laughs> what a great question, Raymond. Like, I love it. So, there is a thing called toxic positivity where we are toxic and positive and um, which is not good and i do think can people be too positive i think it's in the context you know i cast myself as the, you know positivity people think of me as positivity but i'm still very realistic so to answer your question when toxic positivity comes to play it's when you're so positive that you're actually removed from the real world and that's actually dangerous but what you're saying, this is what I learned from Brene Brown. She's got a book called The Gift of Imperfect Parenting. And Raymond, I had to learn this lesson, too, because I get it. Sometimes being too positive and looking for the good can actually make the people around you want to roll their eyes and punch you in the face. So what yes,
8: iffy. To learn- <laughs> sorry to cut you off. That's exactly
7: that's the situation.
8: <laughs> what you just said. Yes, go but ahead. There's sorry, a way but around
7: yes. it. So this book, um, and I'm literally repeating what Dr. Um, Brene Brown says in the book, The, book, the Gift of imperfect parenting, she said it and you touched on it Raymond, sit in the dark with your children because when your children are struggling and they're suffering and they're going through something, the worst thing that a parent can do is try to switch the light on and say, do you know what, it's going to be fine, your boyfriend's just broken up with you, all your friends hate you and you're doing rubbish at school but it's going to be fine sweetie, that's you two at switching on the light and not allowing yourself to sit in the dark with your children. Now sitting in the dark with your children means metaphorically, Sit with them and endure the silence and the pain and the suffering that they're going through because what it does is it gives them strength to know that you can sit there with them now that's something I found really hard to do when my son is struggling and to sit with him and not try and fix it not try and say we're gonna be okay but to sit there but when I started to do it more It started to empower him more, and it also made me realise that I am a stronger parent. His dad, on the other hand, is like, you're going to be all right, you're going to be all right. I said, stop saying he's going to be all right. He needs you to sit in the dark with him and endure it in silence. And then once Terence did it, this was a couple of years ago, he came down the stairs and he was like, wow that was really hard I said yeah but look what we're doing for our child we're showing them strength so yeah we have to positive parenting and positive people we still have to be able and I had to learn how to do that Raymond I had to learn how when my friend's been hurt, when my sister's husband left her and she's crying and instead of me saying right come on this is going to be your bounce back bitch instead I had to sit there with her and feel it and it was the hardest thing to feel someone's pain when all you want to do is fix it but yeah we have to do it so yeah to great question. sit in the dark with them and there's nothing wrong with being positive oh one last thing I'd say is I've got, I had a client this morning and she's been saying that she wants to be able to move house and change her job and bring her son with her and all of that stuff and it's not been possible and then she's just said to me oh guess what I've been evicted from my place I said That's She said, what do you mean? I said, it's amazing because now you're forced to find somewhere else to live, to start getting your goals in order. Now you've been forced out. And she was like, okay then. So there's moments when you can be talk when it's toxic positivity, but there are moments when actually you go, well, look, you've been asking to change your life. You weren't gonna do it. So you've been evicted. Now you're gonna have to do it. So um, yeah, that's my share on it. Um, Back to you, Raymond.
8: Oh, that was beautiful. Dr. Sean you. thank you so much, Effie. I feel better. Dr. Sean, thank you for letting me uh, have that uh, Uh, question. Thanks, brother.
1: Absolutely no problem, Ramon. Good to hear your voice. Haven't heard from you
8: in a while. How have you been you know i've been pretty good dr sean not bad i've just been a bit more purposeful about just certain things i'm doing in the mornings so sometimes some of the days i have been busy but i am well i'm, I'm giving him Scott. an
1: opportunity I'm, I'm giving him an opportunity <laughs> to brag if he wants to but that's all right so congratulations on all your success success ramon and going back to what Dora maria and what if you were talking about about checking our thoughts and everything like that i think it's important that we remember that we are the constant gardener of our own, right? That the branches and the twigs and the leaves that get stuck in our, oh, we got an open mic here. Where's that? Thank you. Um, the, the branches and twigs that we need to prune from our mind are things that we have to constantly work on. Otherwise our topiary, our, 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 our shrubbery does not look as attractive to the rest of the neighborhood, right? We gotta clean up what's going on inside our heads. We've gotta keep, take those branches and move them, either out of the way or take them off completely. So I love that conversation. I love the conversation about being the constant gardener. And as far as toxic positivity goes, I don't think I don't think that you ever have to stop being positive. What I think, but I think what we need to do is work more towards power. I think that that the power that powerful thoughts are more more important than positive thoughts and what that basically means is is that we take uh the world in through our view and 98 percent of it we can't even see because of our limited eyes ears nose mouth whatever we can't sense the entire the entirety of the reality that that science tells us is out there right there are as many as 27 dimensions to space and time that we have no control over that we or maybe we have control over but no not consciously not this dope from new hampshire who's talking to you right now can't see all those things so if we can't see reality for what it really is then everything we we see right now is a lot, is basically a story or a lie that we're telling ourselves and if we're telling ourselves this story and lie we might as well tell ourselves a more powerful one. Like when Iffy got excited when her friend was evicted or her client was evicted, whoever it was, I forget. Okay, that was just her being powerful, taking the story and making it into something powerful instead of something that was disempowering. So I think positivity is great, but power and using power thinking instead of positive thinking uh, is the way to go for me. So we have some time uh, before we pass it over to Larissa now. And we've got some new people in the room. I'd love to hear from people who'd like to talk about, you know, how to cast away the beliefs that are holding you back. And we started the morning talking about detaching from things that were not necessarily serving us. So I'd love to hear from a different voice that we haven't heard from in a while. I hear somebody on micing. Who's that?
3: Oh, this is William. Go ahead, William. Hey, thank you so much for sharing. I've uh, come to the realization that, uh, many many years ago you know i wasn't willing to let go of the things that were holding me back and one of those was the love of my life my wife uh and i realized it you know because of our language barriers and our our challenges but i met her when i was at the fourth level of a leader and i digressed once we were together because i thought i was satisfied and ultimately i wasn't and it caused a lot of anxiety within within our relationship because I was not moving forward. I was, I'd stopped, thought I was complete. Things didn't work out. So after hearing this, it's like, wow, you know, I've, I've progressed and I really need to let go, let her do what she wants to do so we can move forward and grow whether we're together or apart. So thank you so much.
1: Yep, yeah, those relationships in our lives, you know, they, they will Weigh us down, no matter how much power or positive thinking we put into them. There's free will, right? There, there are two people in a relationship, and if one isn't willing to not be an anchor in the relationship, not drag on the bottom of the of 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 the of the of the lake or the ocean or whatever it is that you're trying to sail through, then you sometimes have to let things go. So thank you for that share. William. Good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for coming today. I don't think I've heard, met you before. So what else is out there for people? As far as, as, as far as things that are holding you back, I'd love to hear like things that people are, are, we have got a lot of coaches on stage right now and I'd love to hear like something that's holding somebody back right now within reason, right? That, okay. uh, that,
9: that we can maybe help you with this morning. Well, I'll, I'll chime in real quick and then I'd love to hear from, if there is a question, obviously that would be amazing because that, that gives us a chance, especially as coaches, to give a specific response because a lot of times what someone thinks is holding them back is usually not the case. And that's honestly, if you're looking for a good coach, look for someone who can seek through the lines and, and hear what's really going on in your life. And the one thing that I'll say is a lot of times people are being held back by something that they haven't really paid attention to before. You know, there was something, literally this last week, you know, it, it, the ability to, for a coach to have a coach or the ability for anyone to have someone special in their lives is so important. And I was talking with a friend of mine and I realized that there was something, I was like, I was like there's something missing. You know, there, there's something I'm missing because I, there's, there's too many times I've experienced the same repetitive pattern in sports over and over and over again And will you just talk to me for a little while? And she was just like, you know, it's funny, I got in a clubhouse just for that. And as we were talking through the discussion, I realized that there was a family member that used to live in the backyard, or uh, excuse me, a backdoor neighbor that was basically family who had been a foster kid and his parents were um, heavily into drugs. And so he was there with his grandparents and had no supervision. And he literally put a BB gun to my head when I was like 12 probably. And I I remember this, this, this image coming back to me of that moment. And then another one where basically his main job, every time he came over, if he wasn't in one of those moods or wasn't on his medication was to try and make me cry. And I went from this incredibly talented, gifted, confident kid to this kid who was just crying all the time. And I had, and I looked over it because he was a basically family. I was like, Oh, you know, he's, He was just someone that was just always over and he was really nice when he was really nice. And I didn't realize how much confidence and how much that had really stepped into me to the point where I hadn't even told the full story. So if you're in the audience before and you have a story that's a little more embarrassing in your life, I really, really encourage you to tell the full embarrassing part of it in front of as many people as you possibly can, but start with one. Because I remember it was literally to that girl that I was talking to I was like, man, he would look at me, if I started crying, all, he would jump in my face and be like, cry, baby, brrr, right, and like, try to get the whole neighborhood going on it. Talk about a bully. I knew I was bully, but I didn't realize it was in my own home. I didn't even have a safe place to lay my head at night because he was there. And so I, when I finally told her, I was like, you know, I've never told anyone that before. Coaches need coaches. Coaches need good friends. Coaches need people in their lives too. I guarantee you, you need people in your life. It takes a village to raise this guy. And I feel like I'm pretty damn successful in this freaking world. And it took a village to raise me. And I just encourage you, if you have an embarrassing story, please share it. Because if there's anything that the enemy wants in this world, he wants you to feel ashamed or guilty or embarrassed about something that's happened in your life. And even I was embarrassed by that moment. And I, was, I told her, I was, I was like, you know what? Thank you for listening. Thank you for holding this space for me. And now I've told five people. And now after today, I've told 220 people. And it's gonna be easier every single time. And I realize I get power from this. And that's what people mean by you get power from sharing your story. Because it becomes easier and easier. And then you realize that that little bit that used to sit somewhere in your body that gave you disease, that gave you stomach problems, that gave you some pain in your leg, it's no longer there. We're built by energy, we're built by spirit, we're built perfectly, but we're also imperfect But the things that have happened to us. I, I love you guys all and thank you so much for having me. And Sean, it's always great to see you, my friend.
10: Hi, oh. sorry, to, sorry to jump in. Could I share, please? Sure, this is, go ahead. This is Sarah. Yeah, it's okay for me to share? Go right ahead, Sarah. <clears throat> Thank you. I really wanted to jump in there because I so agree with what the last speaker said. Speaker said. Um, you know, he, he was remembering when um, when he was a child, somebody had done something to him and how it had affected his life. I'm the power coach and I help women step back into their power and I had a client who came to see me, she was an Australian lady and she'd moved to the UK Um, and while she'd lived in the UK she was a successful, get my words out, a successful business lady, she'd got married and she'd had children. Yet she felt that something was wrong, she didn't know what it was, and, and, you know, and she tried different therapies and different things to find out what it was, and she came to see me, and we intentionally went back down her timeline, because we all have a timeline, from the time we're born to the moment we die, we have a timeline, and we went through her timeline, and we discovered that when she was three, her family lived in the city in Australia, and they moved to the outback. And she's a three-year-old little girl. She'd left everything that she was familiar with. And she'd gone to big open spaces, you know, where there were creepy crawlies and big spiders. And she'd left her power in the city. She'd left her power in the environment that she'd felt safe in. So she came to the um, outback, the countryside. And she also had a memory of being three as well, the age three, of her mum taking her to um, nursery and walking away and leaving her. And she had this memory of crying and she carried this all the way with her through her life till she, till we met. And she said to me, you know, I'm, I'm so emotional. I I worry about things that are outside of my control. You know, if my husband has a bad day at work, what my children do, I, I worry about everything. And I'm so emotional. And we were able, when we went down her timeline to be able to release this, you know, and the one thing I remember when she said to me, when we when she left was, Sarah, I'm so grateful that I came to see you because, you, you know, uh, you were like my last thing. I was going to have to see the doctor and I didn't want to see the doctor because she knew she'd get medication. But, you know, we are energy, you know, and, and everything, we create our thoughts through the cause of law and effect. You know, thoughts are causes that show up in our world as physical effects. You know, reality is outplaying in our conscious. And our world is a mirror of our beliefs, you know, and you can, you can at any moment in time, if you choose, because you have a choice to step back into your power. And the last thing I will say at the soul level, we get precisely what we need in our lives for our spiritual growth. Whenever we experience it, whatever we experience, you know, and, and that's how we judge and we get what we get determines, you know, whether our experiences are painful or happy, because life is just an experience. You know, you're here, you've asked to come here, life is an experience, and you just determine, oh, that's not a good experience. Oh, that's not, I like that experience. And you can separate yourself from the experience. And with that, I'm Sarah, and I'm always moving forward.
1: Thank you, Sarah, I appreciate that share of that perspective. I think it's great uh, going back to what Jeremy said. Also, Jeremy, good to see you as well. I just wanted to point out, um, you know, that that bullying in in general is a lot that has to do with. Um, well, you know, I don't want to turn this into a bullying room, so let's let's move on. Ms, uh, who is it? With? Misra, what did you have to add to this conversation?
11: You know. Greetings from New York City, this is Mirza Ali and I coach uh, forward-thinking visionary entrepreneurs in tech space starting uh, businesses for nothing and then exiting it out making it multi-million dollar or billion dollar with exponential curve and growth. Um, I'm an ESL, I started learning English at uh, sixth grade and I so resonate with all these people that uh, you being bullied and everything i come from a very low poverty village from third world country and this was one thing that i learned very early on i never knew what it was but all i understand that it's uh you have to step into your power every morning and it's just like it's as simple as taking shower you don't take shower once for you in your life and you're done with it it's just like grooming. You have to constantly rewire, reframe, recondition, re re-paradigm shift, re-pattern patterns of existence towards the self-inquiry, self-discovery, self-journey. And we are as good as we challenge ourselves and we are constantly dismantling our belief. And because our belief will create our reality, reality will create our personality, personality will create our identity. And our identity will define who we are, backed and fueled by growth and abundance mindset if you don't have growth, mindset and grit and stamina to be better today than we were yesterday. And that is applied in every facet of life because my mentor back then told me, if you put yourself in a constant battle and challenge, trust me, it will snowball, it will compound, your efforts will multiply. And I'm I'm just a product of that, you know, like I, life is all about journey, it's not a destination. At every level, there's a different devil and there's no devil outside. It's us competing against ourselves to be better today than we were yesterday. And it's just like a, growth is just like cocoon to butterfly. There's a larva and then there's just so much transformation and death and rebirth and death and rebirth. That's how we have to dismantle our own belief. And I'm going to give away a little formula that I that I learned and it may help anyone because the job of entrepreneurship is you make more. So you give more by making this world a very better place, adding value belief action reality and then the feedback and cycle repeats i had old belief that i am a very poor i live in mediocrity then i had a new belief but that was a weak belief then i took action and those actions gave me new reality and then when i was stepping into new reality i had to listen to the feedback and reticular activating system in your brain will respond to your conviction and confirmation to be new you. Now you'll override the old, dismantle the old belief and you have a new belief. Mm. Then you take new action, reality feedback, B-A-R-F. In Urdu, we call it birth, which means like you've got to constantly in a motion. And then it will go viral, it goes spiral, it will compound, it will multiply. So belief, actions, reality feedback. Beliefs, action, reality feedback. And then it well, goes on you. and on, and it will change you down the line. And this is Mirzali, I yeah, so love and respect all of you here. And I'm keep on dismantling your belief towards the growth trajectory of your life. Thank you so much for having me. So much love and respect. Great news from New York City. Bye. Thank you,
1: Misra. Uh, great to hear your voice. And yeah, we've got to destroy our limiting beliefs and rebuild ourselves up like uh, Shiva, right? The both the bringer of destruction as well as rebirth. So I love that analogy and it's a great way to wind things up. Good morning, Barbara Majeski. how are you? Are you there? Well, we were just lucky to have your avatar here. So we have, we have two minutes left. Who wants to have one last quick share before we turn it over to Marissa, Jessica. Go
12: ahead. Yes. Hi, Dr. Sean. Hi, everybody from Sydney. Good morning to you. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit about what Mirza said and probably add could be a bit controversial to some people. Um, when we're trying to change a belief, and a belief is just a thought that you keep on thinking, but when it has been repeat for so long and say you've been a victim to bullying um, or harassment or abuse and something happened in your childhood for so long, you can't just really take action and 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 expect that time is going to erase those wounds that have been really um instilled in your body not just on a psychological level but emotionally so it takes time for these things to heal and for your body to make peace with them and i think a lot of coaches miss that part where 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 we say and we give people permission to turn into their power and say it's okay for you to step away from the story there's no need to recreate a new narrative right now you can accept what you've been through Um, and let's work on reframing the mindset of being a victim. But you don't need to talk about the story again and again. And it's okay for you to take years or whatever time you need to take to move away from that incident that really hurt you until it's reconciled in your body and you've made peace with it. And for that, I think it's very important to tread that line and not always enforce on people to take action, action. And action can sometimes be very important in admitting to take action and deciding you know what I'm not going to go back to that point in time when I experienced that and I don't have to recreate that narrative right now around it I can choose to step away from it because I want to move forward and I want to continue with my life and I can revisit that later so I just wanted to add that to the table thank you for listening I'll hand the bat back to you Dr.
1: Perfect timing Jessica thank you so much yeah no I appreciate the insight on that and with that Um, Marissa, are are you ready to go?
4: I am ready. Thank you, Dr. Sean.
1: Thank you. It's been a great morning, everybody.